just an FYI, this episode of The Waggle was recorded before the news out of Montreal regarding the firing of Jacques Chapdelaine and defensive coordinator Noel Thorpe. The points regarding the struggles and the views on what's happening in Montreal are still valid. Go to cfl.ca to hear the analysis about these hirings and firings. Without further ado, here's the Waggles! Welcome to the Waggle Talking All Things CFL. My name is James Sabalski. With me, as always, the new face of Sports Center, the new face that runs the place on TSN, Davis Sanchez. <laughs> Who was that handsome sucker making a debut the other night on TV? I run, I run something at TSN. It's the parking lot uh, after after my sh- after my three minutes shift. I go there and park cars. That's the only thing I'm running over there. But I had a had a good time. Uh, uh, my first uh, my first shot over there. Had some fun this weekend talking some talking some football and and, and hanging out. And now I'm now I'm back uh, talking to you again. Unfortunately. Well done. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Congratulations, though, man. Uh, it's a great, uh, it's a great call on their part, and uh, looking good. And you didn't embarrass yourself too badly, although you, you did have quite the white head there on your uh, cheek. <laughs> I thought you would have could have put a little makeup on there. And, yeah. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate <laughs> hey, it. That's what that's what we're here for. Uh, coming up, a conversation with Lions linebacker Solomon Illamimian. Uh, his reaction to Adam Big Hill cracking the New Orleans Saints roster. Uh, not only that, just talking about social justice. It's obviously uh, the protests that we're seeing across the National Football League and uh, throughout a lot of sports these days. Uh, the latest case uh, involving uh, Michael Bennett and the stories and the issues that he raised last week. Uh, the star defensive player from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, so we'll get into that with Sully coming up a little later on. Uh, but lots to get to, Davis. Uh, we've survived the Labor Day Classics. We have survived Revenge Week. Um and so here we go, uh, moving on, and, and what the boy, a lot of carnage to discuss, and why don't we just jump right into it, uh, and thank you so much to everybody that's subscribing. If you aren't subscribing already, you can still find us in the iTunes section. Uh, you can, it's free to subscribe, and a fresh new episode goes right to your device or tablet uh, each and every week, and there's new, your new iPhone 8, perfect timing to download the waggle or subscribe to the waggle and get that fresh new phone because i know davis who is like the ultimate gadget you're like inspector gadget to me uh whenever there's something that new that's dropped you're usually the guy that's on it especially when it comes to apple have you got your iphone 8 yet because we are somewhat partners with the good folks at apple and itunes uh, they put out our stuff. I'm not going to talk about how they've been juicing me for the last 20 years for a new gadget every six months. I'm going to leave that out <laughs> of the podcast this week. <laughs> Wait, but next week, you're but in next. the crosshairs, Apple. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm converting to orange or banana. I'm going with a new software device. To, to be fair, uh, I'm sitting no. here at my desk right now, Seaball. I have an iPad Pro in front of me. I have a MacBook Pro in front of me. I have an Apple Home computer in front of me, and I have an iPhone. So, yeah, Apple, you got me. Yeah, this is also because Davis likes having three cameras on him when we FaceTime together. <laughs> make, make, hey, okay. Seaball, can we can we talk about some football since you're driving this? Yeah, why don't, uh, this why, don't we just, why don't we just jump into it, and, uh, and here we go after uh, kicking each other in the butt here. But uh, first things first. 
Uh, no shortage of carnage. Uh, injuries on the heels of this past weekend and particularly at the quarterback position. First things first, probably the most significant injury to come out of freaks the last week. I all the honeys, dummies, Playboy bundies, those wanted money. <laughs> oh, you said, my bad, you said first things first. And I I got, uh, I, I thought Biggie, I thought I pop a freaks. No? Well, all right. You were just ready to go. You're just ready to go. Shout out to all Biggie right. Smalls. Just first just things first, you're going, you're going Ottawa Red Blacks and the, and the injury no, to, no, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm not. I want, I want to jump into your former teammate and a guy who's a friend yeah, of the show and yeah. Travis Lule and, you know, Travis out for the year with a knee injury. And, you know, it's right on the heels of him being named starter early in that first quarter last week against the Montreal Alouettes at BC Place. He's on the run, and it just uh, it all goes uh, all goes sideways for him. And that's really unfortunate because at this stage of the career, he's soon to be 34, Davis. You wonder if this knee injury just might be a career ender. No chance. Not a chance with today's... Really? No, with today's science and how... Uh, you know, think about it. Guys are getting back in eight months now. It's not, and he's a quarterback who he can wear a brace. He can wear two braces, sit in the pocket. I don't think that it's not. Even, no, I don't even think it's not even close to career ending. He's he'll be back and he'll be as strong as ever. It's just it just sucks that he's in this situation again. A guy that's worked so hard, a guy that just seems to not be able to catch a break. Uh, you know, and he his the the message he sent out, the tweet that he sent out to the fans, just saying, "Hey, thanks for the support and thanks for." all the kind wishes he's, he got. And that he, he mentioned that uh, that's one of the reasons why he loves the CFL so much and the fact that the, all the – just all the good people around and all the relationships he has. So, uh, And I'm one of those guys, a friend, Travis, uh, happy to call Travis a friend of mine. And, and it's, it's tough to see. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, he'll be, he'll be back as, as strong as ever. He'll be, he'll be fine. He's a quarterback, and that's a position where – uh, he, he doesn't need uh, he doesn't need a knee. <laughs> he doesn't need the even if he get, comes back and guys are coming back at you know ninety ninety percent of their of their full their full speed ninety percent of their their cutting and their agility. Now if you're a defensive end or you're uh, a cornerback, a wide receiver, then ninety percent might not be good enough. But ninety percent of those particular skill sets so that's uh, more than fine for Travis and. Uh, we're all going to miss him, and I wish he would have, uh, you know, had a better fate um, to end this season after such a great run that he's been on, playing better than any any quarterback in the league, playing as well as any quarterback in the league so far. You you obviously know him way better than I do. I just wonder, after going through the surgically repaired shoulders, and at this stage, do you want to do it again? And then at the same time, you know. There, there's a huge risk factor in taking a guy who's obviously had a history of injuries the last few years. And, the you know, from a money standpoint, yeah, when healthy, he's great. And he could be easily a starter in this league for many, many teams. But there's a huge asterisk with a health uh, from a health standpoint. And you just wonder that this guy is, has shown are you questioning to get hurt. Are you questioning the fact that if a team – because of the injury history, would hesitate to bring Travis on. Is that is that where you're going with this? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, that's that. There's there's not. It's different if you have if you have injury issues. That was a freak accident. If you see the way that happened, and he hasn't had numerous ACL, PCL, MCL tears. This is this is a freak accident. The way he got stuck, caught in the turf, complete freak accident. Now, if it was a shoulder injury again, James, that happened. That would be something I would be concerned with because now a propensity 
to uh, of the shoulder to, to give out uh, a weak shoulder something like that then it's a concern something that's completely different than his previous injury not a concern at all for any coach in this league and like i said before the skill set of a of a quarterback and the knee is not they, they're not uh they don't work together and, and it's it's fine he'll be he'll be completely fine that's my that's my opinion on that yeah, it just feels like man, there's been more bad luck than good luck for this guy in the last few years. And and I want hey, look, I'd rather see Travis Lule playing than not. And I think most people would agree with that. And at the same time, when you talk about classy people, when you talk about good guys and nice people, Travis Lule is among the nicest people. And I'm, I'm sure that guy's probably got a rank as one of the your better teammates that you've had over the course of your career. I just just by the character and nature that I've had in my samplings with Travis over the years, you've obviously had significantly more having played with him. Uh, he's a good guy. And yet, for whatever reason, the last four or five years, uh, it's been more hard luck since that 2011 Grey Cup victory. It has been. It has been. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. You hope for the best for Travis Lule, and you hope to see that things will ultimately work out for this guy. But... You know, from the from the injury standpoint, I think that's a valid point that you make, and we'll see. It's almost like that line from the program, right? Remember uh, when Omar Epps is, is getting talked to by the coach uh, James Kahn, and he says, "Are you injured or are you hurt?" Well, what's the difference? Well, if you're injured, you can't play. If you're hurt, get up. You know, kind of thing, right? Omar so, Omar Epps I stole mean, Omar Epps stole one of my girlfriends back in the day, and I think it was in like high school or just after high school. So he stole one of my girlfriends. <laughs> Real talk. Come on, so don't, don't like talk. for real? Yeah, for real. So don't talk about Omar Epps on this show oh. ever. <laughs> Omar Epps is banned from the Waggle, punk. Yeah, and if you yeah, listen, also, if you listen to Omar, I haven't forgot about that either. Yeah, and he did a and he did a terrible job trying to replace Wesley Snipes in Major League Two. <laughs> so there you go. Chew on that, Omar Epps. Uh, okay, so down goes Travis Lule, and listen, we we wish the best for him. Meanwhile. Uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks, just when it looked like they were kind of back into red-black form from their Grey Cup championship in 2016, down goes Trevor Harris, and it looks like he's going to be out for the next few weeks. Uh, they get smoked at home by the Hamilton Ticats, who suddenly won two straight. But it now looks like Drew Tate uh, is the guy who's in charge, and you do wonder is... At what point does Rick Campbell think about, and Marcel Desjardins think about calling Smiling Hank back to say, hey, Henry, want to come hang out with us for a few weeks again? Um, Drew Tate, this is, there's obviously a reason why they went out and they made the deal for him. It didn't cost them a whole lot in terms, I think it was just a draft pick that they wound up making a move to, to land Drew Tate out of uh, Calgary. Is is Drew Tate good enough to keep the keep the Red Blacks in front in first place in the East? If it wasn't for Bo and and his start to his career, you know, Drew might be the guy who was leading the Stamps to the type of uh, maybe not to the levels of where Calgary's at because Bo has obviously played at an MOP level, but Drew Tate was uh, you know an upper echelon quarterback in this league when he was playing. He was a, he was good until he got beat, beat out by someone who's uh, arguably had the best start to a career in the history of the league. So I, he's more than capable. And, and I reached out and, and talked to some guys on the offensive side of the ball over there in, in Ottawa today, and, and they, they feel really comfortable with, with Drew. Obviously, they you know, they miss Trevor out there, but you know one guy told me that, he, 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 that Drew is extremely sharp, that Drew uh, is a guy who um, can bring a different dynamic with his legs as well. So uh, they feel good. And the one thing they, he said was, he just needs to get the chemistry with the guys 
uh, in that receiving core and that, that the chemistry would be the issue. And that's, you know, hearing that, it makes sense because he's not getting a lot of the first team reps. A lot of uh, quarterback receiver uh, is all about relationships and, and the fact of, of trusting a guy's going to be where you expect him to be and, and that, that timing of things. So, you know, uh, once once Drew gets that, I think he can have success and, you know, <laughs> and, and do a good job filling in until uh, Trevor comes back or, you know, ultimately if he has a good run, he might keep playing. Who knows? Well, his numbers were pretty good when he stepped in in that late going of that game and that loss to Hamilton, but we'll see. He's going to get the keys to the ship here over the next few weeks with with Harris sideline. And now we talk about you know quarterbacks who've had some hard luck over the last few years. You know, Trevor Harris. This is the se- second consecutive year that now he's had to deal with an injury of substance and. I guess this can bring back the old statement of, yeah, you need two quarterbacks in order to be successful uh, in the Canadian Football League. But this is Trevor Harris now once again with with injury and health issues trying to stay healthy as quarterback of the Ottawa Red Blacks, where the team went out and spent a lot of money as for him to be the franchise guy. So uh, when we look at now the third quarterback, yeah, where to get does that put them? One more thing, James. Where does that put them when you look at? the powers that be in the east now does that change the dynamic because a lot a lot of people still including myself look at ottawa is still the front runner because of because of their roster i still feel like they're a front runner to win to win the east i think they're close i think toronto put toronto close with them but well who's your best who's who's the best i mean for me i go i go to who's the best quarterback in the division and, and right now, I think it's Ricky Ray. Well, who was healthy. it before? Who was it before this week? Then now, let me ask you that. I think it was Trevor Harris. Okay, so you so you think if Trevor's back, you put you right now you would put Trevor ahead of ahead of Ricky, and now but now you put but you continue with him out and Drew Tate taking over. You take you think Ottawa step takes a step down, and now and, I, now, I think, and now Toronto is, would be the best the best team in the East. I just ha- I just haven't seen enough of Drew Tate. You know, we yeah. saw him last year against Montreal. I he's mean, played a lot of football. They gave he, him... he, he's played a lot of football, and that's. But you're right, not not. But recently. not in the last two years. Yeah, no, you're yeah. right. Yeah, like he's got to like he's got to get he's got to get reps, and it's one thing to get some reps in practice, but he just hasn't played. Now, I look at that game that you know Calgary was on the cusp of setting the historical record last year for the greatest regular season record ever, and they play the Montreal Alouettes. Now, granted, I think they wound up you know starting the entire scout team in that game against the Alouettes last year, late in the season, but Drew Tate was not able to move the ball in any way, shape or form against the Alouettes last year. He showed something last weekend in the small sample size that we saw against Hamilton, but ultimately Ottawa came up short in that game. So I think now when we look in the grand scheme of things in the East, yeah, I think in the hierarchy, I'll go with, here's the old Sabolskiism. The devil, the devil, you know, you know. And, I'll, and I'll take and I'll take Ricky Ray in this one, right? Okay. I, I mean, at this point, if as long as Ricky Ray is healthy, that, yeah, that's that's um, fine, that's fine. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm I think, not arguing. I, think that. that's I was curious to where you where you'd go with yeah. that and what and your thoughts. And I don't, I'm not gonna, I wouldn't disagree. With you. I think you're, you're, uh, I think you, I think you got yeah. a valid point there. I mean, at the same time, I mean, you look at look at Darian. I mean, Darian Durant somewhere in the last month seems lost out there. I mean, but I think you, but it's not just Darian. I think that's the entire Alouette's offense that has completely gone MIA ever since that. Do you game make a quarterback change? The Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Do you make a quarterback change in, in Montreal? Yes. 
I think I think after this week, I think you give it one more week because the money that you've invested in Darian and you've gone all in to try to go make a move to get him as your quarterback. And I think if you can get, I think you give him one more chance, you give him one more start, and if he can't, if he's not able to uh, get that offense moving once again and reignite this team that looked like they were starting to move the ball, at some point in time, maybe it's time to give Drew Willie a chance and go back to Drew Willie. But I, to me, I look at Montreal. Davis, maybe it's not even necessarily the quarterback on this one. To me, I wonder what point do we start looking at Jacques Chapdelaine and the offense with this? Because you know what? Everybody was critical and we were just as guilty of it as well. Uh, or sorry, not guilty, but at full wholeheartedly, we were critical of that Montreal offense last year and for good reason. But they had playmakers like Deron Carter. You know, Kevin Glenn was essentially traded halfway through the season when they basically waved the white flag going, okay, this is not happening for us this year. Look at Kevin Glenn. And up until Kevin Glenn, and I said it last week, I thought Kevin Glenn was having an MOP type season or at least in the discussion uh, to be in the mix for it this year until he gets nicked up. We'll see the severity of his injury. But Kevin Glenn is having a lot of success in Saskatchewan. And Montreal had him as a quarterback. They had one of the best playmakers in the league in Deron Carter. And basically, Deron Carter, I mean, he was putting up numbers until they eventually said, okay, this guy's a distraction and we're done with him. But they've had a lot of offensive weapons that have come through there in the last few years that have gone on to have success elsewhere and just for whatever reason have struggled in Montreal. And I just wonder, do we do we look at Jacques Chapdelaine on this? Do we recognize that maybe, again, it's too much too soon for Anthony Calvillo? And Anthony did great great things as a quarterback, but it has not translated as a coach. It's, I am a belief – I'm in the belief right now that – Jacques has has to look at this, and because I because I cover the Alouettes and because I'm around them, you know, quite a bit more than the rest of the teams. I what yep. I see what I see in in Montreal when I look at the offense and I hear the comments. More importantly, I hear the comments post game and during the week. Uh, I hear comments like um, our our roster is is good enough. Um, the the scheme. There's nothing wrong with our scheme, our system. Uh, guys just got to make plays. And when I hear things like that. Uh, I don't like it, and I don't like it because I think you. At some point, we all have to take a step back. And I'm not. I know Jacques. I know enough people who I've obviously been on this on a team with Jacques in 2011, and in BC I was with Jacques in 2010, I believe as well. But I know enough people who have been. Un, I'm a defensive guy, so I'm not working with Jacques for example. I know enough people who have worked with Jacques, and, and Giroy is one of them, and he has nothing but good things to say about Jacques and Jacques' system. So. And I know, and, and his body of work gives him the credibility and the you know to take his time and, and let him work through what he has to work with. And for the first you know ten weeks, I'm a believer and say, you know what, let this team, let this offense grow, let them get some chemistry. So I believe it take time for it to gel. But it is the scheme, it is the system, and whether you may have a good system, Jacques, you may have your scheme might be good. You might be a smart football man. That might be. You are a smart football guy. But your system is not fitting your personnel right now. So you have to stand Agreed. up. You have Agreed. to stand up. There you go. And stand up and say, you know what? I have to. It's not working. My system's not working. You can't be so stubborn to where you say, no, it's going to work. You have to say, you know what? No, this is not working. And my system's not working. I'm going to change my system to fit my personnel. And that's what makes a good coach. 
you adapt and overcome. And I think there's been enough, I think there's been enough of a body of work from the Alouettes through 13 weeks now of the season where you can kind of say, okay, uh, something's not clicking here. So why don't we modify and tinker and tweak? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, Davis. And I just think that at some point, I think the coach has to assume some responsibility on this and maybe call an audible and say, okay, what can we change to make this more successful for yeah. this team going forward? Because here's the reality. The East is still up for grabs. The East is still up for grabs. Spoiler alert, Sabalski. Spoiler, yeah, spoiler alert. alert. Total yeah. spoiler alert. Yeah, it's not inconceivable for, you know, Toronto's still got more than an excellent chance to walk away with first in the East. Montreal still has an excellent opportunity to come away with first and a first round bye in the East. Uh, so too does Ottawa. And you look at the numbers and even, you know what? It's crazy to say, but guess what? Hamilton's only four points back of second right now. Like get a job. Get a job, Sabalski. Hey, look, the Tabbies just won two in a row. The Tabbies just won two in a row and they won two games in five days. And one of those was going on the road. That second one going on the road into Ottawa and spanking the defending Grey Cup champions. So, hey, that might be their season right there, but all of a sudden they're two points back of Montreal. They're they're right. They're suddenly one win back of the Alouettes going into this weekend. So, it's um, that's not going to help them. Being it, two points behind Montreal is not going to help anybody. What's, what does that mean? No, What's no, that, that means. Mean? I mean, well, uh, yeah. Is, sure, there a, but, is there a ribbon? But, is there a ribbon you get for uh, being the, the third place team in the East and, and watching watching Winnipeg, Winnipeg or BC come over or Edmonton come over and come over and play in your own uh, in the East in the East? <laughs> yeah, you get the participant badge. <laughs> you get free tickets. You get to a watch, participant badge. You get free tickets to watch. Uh, Watch uh, Edmonton, BC, or yeah. Winnipeg play play in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. You you get an invite to the spirit of Edmonton if you make it down for Grey Cup week. That's what, that's what you get. Hey, we are that's not what, we are not good people. I'm not. We are not good people, James. We are not good people. No, but uh, really, though, we keep it real, Chessy. Yeah, we we try, keep it real. We that's our, what we, we do. We try our best. We you know we do. We, how about this? We keep it real. We keep it real to the point where the league is allowed to put our product out there. We don't keep it 100% real. Because if we kept it real, 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 James, I would say a lot yeah. of different ish than I say now. Let's just be honest. That's just, it is what it is. And I know you, and I know That's you would fair. too. So we're not keeping it yeah, real. We, we're keeping it, we're keeping it corporate real right now. Yes. You would yeah. probably not be on CFL this week live. No. And no. I would probably not be on the waggle. And no. uh, but, yeah. But I, ha- I would fair. have that fire. So just in case, just in case you guys are thinking about firing me, moving in a different direction. Don't do it because I'll start my own podcast and it will be called uh, Waggle Uncut with Chez and I will talk like a complete maniac and I will have 9 million listeners. (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably going to assassinate it, but I may get assassinated, but I have a lot of listeners. Yeah. Yeah, every 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 thirty seconds, hot take, hot take, hot take, hot take, hot take. <laughs> so yeah, but at the root of all this, like the East Division has all four teams essentially alive right now. It, maybe it's more ambitious for others, but second place isn't out of reach for anybody. Right. Uh, let alone let alone first right now. When 
I mean, Montreal's three points back of first place. Toronto's at one point back. At, at this stage, it's hard not to it's hard not to think that Ottawa and Toronto are going to probably come away with one two, just the way that both these teams are going. But you know, the Argos looked like they were humming along here for a while, and the next thing you know, it they've kind of hit the skids here in the last few weeks as well. So. Um, Montreal, hopefully they figure it out for for their sake, but uh, there's a lot of teams with a lot of flux and volatility, and and who knows what you're getting from Hamilton. All of a sudden, June Jones, who I think a lot of people were ready to to have him follow Art Bryles out of town after trying to make some decisions, has somehow maybe been the tonic to to get the tabbies going, and Jeremiah Masoli is suddenly the savior, and and there's been scuttlebutt over the last week about Zach Caleros maybe being cut or traded or... Or something. I guess is this really possibly a breakup here in in Hamilton with with Zach Caleros and the Tabbies? It surely is. Yeah, it, it sure is. It's it's that is uh, that was the June Jones. The June Jones hiring was the was the end of uh, the Zach Caleros era. Why? Because June has anointed Jeremiah his guy. He has said enough. And that's, I mean, and, and it's looked, hey, look, they're 2 0. I don't think that, I don't think that Zach, that Jeremiah is a better quarterback than Zach right now. I think he brings a different element to that team. And when you're a team, I've been on enough teams that I've seen this, that if you are a team that struggles offensively and you're a team that struggles in general, if you have a quarterback that can extend drives, that can keep the ball because they can make plays with their legs, it just helps. It's not going to win you. It's not going to get win you a great cup. You need Zach Kolaris uh, to win you a great cup, or Jeremiah has to become a better passer to win a great cup because that's not going to get it done. But it can keep you closer in ball games. It can because you're extending drives, that, and that's huge. The pos- time of possession, the ability to when things break down to make plays with your legs, that's huge for a team that struggles. I've, I've, I've seen it many times playing against teams that struggle and have a guy that does that because it just keeps you in the game. It, it keeps you in the game, extends the game. But, yeah, he's June likes – he said I, I've seen many times in his pressers uh, one time that I, I can remember specifically where he, he glowed about the pedigree of Jeremiah Masoli. And I've spoke about it before either on CFL This Week or – or I think on the waggle, but I spoke about it where he said, hey, look, Jeremiah played at Oregon. He played at Ole Miss. He's got something special. Well, if I'm Zach Kolaris and I'm listening to that, a guy who played at Cincinnati, a smaller school, I'm going to I'm gonna take that to heart a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to feel a little bothered by that, that you're, you're impressed because he played at, at – at, because Jeremiah played at the great University of Oregon. Uh, you're impressed. Sorry, shout out to Oregon. You're impressed that he played at at a, a big time SE school like like Ole Miss, and I played it at Cincinnati in the Midwest. It's a smaller school. I mean, that, to me, that's gonna that will bother me as a quarterback. And to say to say those things, and June's not wrong for saying that. I'm not I'm not knocking June for saying that because it's a fact. He's been on a big stage. He's played with you know a lot of people. A lot of people get enamored by, and June Jones is not one of them. He's been around football enough and had enough enough success and has a resume enough to he's not just to hear him say that though it would have bothered me. He and he likes. So that being said, uh, make a long story long. He likes uh, Jeremiah. He's seen Jeremiah play in college, um, you know, in at Oregon on the big stage in at Ole Miss. He's seen him, and because of that, 
he he liked him coming into it and felt and felt like he could make a difference um, and make Jeremiah a player. And I think that's that's kind of what he's taken on uh, as an offensive guy. He's made that kind of his task and his uh, his mission to make Jeremiah a player. And he's he's going to do that uh, by hook or crook. Yeah. So I guess it begs the question: is who who wants Zach then if they can move him? I guess you start with the usual suspects. I guess Toronto at their stage, at the age of Ricky Ray, if they could get Caleros back, would they would they jump on that? Uh, at the age, of, I mean, Ricky Ray's thirty eight, so um, you know, do they want to jump on Zach Caleros there? Does Montreal consider the possibility with Darian Durant and the struggles that they've had offensively this year? Is Zach Caleros maybe their long term solution? For their quarterback, is that something uh, that they consider why, uh, doing? Why do you want? Why do you want to put Zach somewhere right now so bad? Why don't you let the man finish the no, year? Why, just, I mean, I'm, why I'm, are you trying no, to place I'm, the guy somewhere right now? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just wondering. It would, would, well, the, would Hamilton sooner try to move him now, or yeah. would they wait till the off season? Yeah, well, the off season I don't know about. Uh, we'll save. We have to save some of that content so we have some in the off season, or nobody will listen to the waggle. <laughs> no one listen to the waggle in February if we talk about it now. So yeah. hold on, guys. We need Stay another. Matt, we need another Matt Nichols contract negotiation like we had last year right <laughs> stay t- stay tuned guys for the waggle in feb the february edition of the waggle we'll talk about where zach caleros is going to go next season but for now uh yeah i don't know it's gonna be it, it will depend to me on here, here's the sitch if you have a squad if you're a general manager and you have a team that you believe is on the cusp of competing for a Western, a Western Division title or an Eastern Division title, and Zach Caleros is, and you're a quarterback away because of an injury or because of quarterback play. You make a play for Zach right now, and from what uh, Matthew Shinetti reported on TSN a few weeks back, there was only a, I believe one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars remaining on this year's contract for Zach Caleros. Now I said he would have gotten cut, but I didn't know the numbers in the contract. Once I heard that, that's a whole other ball game because. If you only have to pay him, that means he's got a whole bunch of his money on his reporting bonus or his roster bonus or, uh, you know, so far this season, there's not a lot left. There's only, that'd be about one-fourth of his contract remaining for one half of a season. Well done, Zach's agent, on getting it structured that way. But th- that's a, that's now, he's now gone from a guy who may get released. There's no chance he gets released. It's now a guy who's going to either get traded, which I would see. I would, I would think there's probably some conversations right now going on with some people, they're trying. To, I would assume they're trying to move Zach because it only makes sense if they can get something for him. If not, they just wait because they're not paying him a whole lot right now. A lot of, like I said, his contract is front loaded. Well, I so just what wonder, team is that? My point is, what's what team the, is that? Well, here's the other thing. Then, what's the, well, what's the alternative then for Hamilton too? Right? I mean, is Masoli their guy going forward? Because I think we're both on the same page. I think Zach gives the Hamilton Tie Cats a better position for success long term but june jones obviously and how long is june jones going to be in hamilton is he there just for the year or is this the guy that they're going to say you know hey you know what we want you to be our guy now going forward but i think the options the only places that to me that seem like viable places for zach caleros if the Ticats were to move on from him would be the possibility of toronto the possibility of montreal and I guess you could argue the possibility of Saskatchewan, considering that I don't think they're necessarily totally convinced with Brandon Bridge just yet. 
And I don't know if they're fully convinced with Vernon Adams, considering that they've got both those guys there as their as their quarterbacks right now. I I don't Calgary, Calgary, Edmonton. You think so? The most likely landing spot for it would be. I'll tell you. Here's what it would be: If Bo Levi Mitchell got hurt by chance, it would be Calgary, because I don't I don't think that they're sold on Andrew Buckley yet. I think he's a great young prospect, but I don't think they're sold on him yet to on a championship team. And but that's uh, knock on wood. I, I want to see. I want to see them get an opportunity to um, get back to the Grey Cup. The just because they're a great team, not because I'm a cheer, cheering for the yeah. Stampeders to get out the West, but they deserve it after being such a good team last year. And then again this year, I'd like to see them get that opportunity. Now uh, the other and the other spot, I think what you said. I'm with you, James. Saskatchewan would be the best, uh, the most likely likely spot because I think, like I just mentioned earlier, if you look at a team that's that's feels like their roster is good enough to compete with anybody in the league if they upgrade the quarterback position that could be sask now i'm not trying to i'm not saying kevin uh, need to upgrade from kevin because kevin is playing a whole lot better than than zach Olaris was but if anything, anything happened to kevin or kevin uh you know wasn't able to continue for whatever reason now you have uh, you know Zach, who who can you know possibly be a be a guy. So there, I think me and you're on the on the same page in regards to Fitz. And I think Toronto. I think Toronto is this is this is similar. I think they're the next. I think they'd be the third. My third team. I'd throw in that mix. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's 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 the usual suspects right there. Is Maybe the even Winnipeg. There's a lot of teams. If the there's a lot of teams. If their starter went down, Winnipeg. I go. I think I would throw in there too. There's a lot of teams. If their well, number sure. I if think their number one went their number one went down. Now it's a it's but only James. I'm not saying any team okay, number so BC, one goes down. BC just BC just lost their number one with an yeah. asterisk. Uh, yeah. I mean, you still got Jonathan Jennings, but would they consider so my Zach, point, especially if jo- if Jonathan's looking into his he's got his NFL window. No, that, his season. NFL window got closed about a month ago when he started playing the way he he's playing. He's not going to NFL right now. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. I'm not. Okay, it's fair. I'm fair, not right. saying. I'm not. It was. Yeah. It was still a question with his body type. He's a small. He's a small guy. He's got a small frame. Yeah. He's he's a he's an undersized guy. He has to. I'm not saying he can't play in the NFL because I think he he's got arms. He's got the arm strength to play in the NFL. And he, he's look at Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's a lot thicker. They might be the same height, but Russell Wilson's probably got 30 pounds on Jonathan Jennings. He's a lot thicker. If a, Cam Newton, if Cam Newton gets his butt kicked like he did last no, year, yeah. then imagine Jonathan Jennings, who's about half a no, foot shorter. So he. You know? So my point. I'm not. So to to finish yeah. that. To finish that no, point. I, I want to be. Agree. I want to yeah. be clear about Jonathan. And to finish that, he could play. He would have to light up the CFL, and he was doing that for a you know a, a, a few week span where he started. We, people year. people started to say, yeah, last year people started to say, hey, JJ may go to the NFL. Travis might get his job back that way. Well, he could if he lit up the CFL. If you're not lighting up the CFL and your body type uh, is there's two ways to get to that. Here's another thing. On a, on a quick other note, we got to wrap this thing up. It's pretty soon here. But here's on another note. On another note here, uh, let me talk for 50 more minutes while you listen. Then we'll. Then I'll tell. Then I'll tell. Then, I'll, passion, I'll, tell, then I'll tell you when to wrap it up. Gosh, what a what a horrible <laughs> dude I am. Um, but uh, no, I, I do, there's two ways. There's two ways to make to make the NFL uh, from the CFL. There's two ways to make it, and one is to be a guy who has a body a body type who. Is is has the measurables. You're either a you know you're a six foot seven long armed tackle with great feet who just happens to be you know maybe like an ex basketball player or so, uh, someone who just didn't develop late. So out of college you had the body type, but you just weren't developed as a football player yet. And you come to the CFL and then you go and you make your you make your money that way as being a you have the body. You're a receiver who's you know drops a lot of balls. You'll see this a lot. Receivers who drop balls 
but they run a four three. They're a track guy, you know, or a receiver who's six foot five, but you know he doesn't have a lot of production because he can't get open. Uh, but he's six five, so an NFL team will give him a shot as a because you have this is the first type is the guy who has the measurables. So that's those are the measurable guys: speed, height, length, those type of things. The other way to make it is put up big numbers. So. For me, for me, I don't have, I didn't have measurables. I'm never, no one's ever going to come to a game. A scout, an NFL scout's never going to come to the game and watch me in the warmups and say, "Ooh, look at number two. He's he's long. He's rangy. He's fast. He's he's a prototypical NFL corner." You know, they're not going to do that. I had to put up big numbers and be a player on the field, and they say, "Wait a minute, this guy's not the biggest guy, but he can play some football. He can cover. He can play." And then that's how I get signed that way. You know, so there's different, and that does me, but that's how you either make it as being a player who makes plays, and and you and that's how it is. But you're undersized or whatever it may be, or you have measurables. Jonathan is is an undersized. He doesn't have the measurables, so he has to be a dominant player to get to get signed. Say so big big use with Big Hill, for example. He's ne- no one's yeah. ever going to sign Adam Big Hill to the NFL unless he puts up crazy numbers, crazy numbers. And Adam Big Hill led basically had what forty tackles. Well, year after year after year, he had about three and, three yeah. years in a row where he had nine trillion tackles. You know, that's Chris yeah. Will- Chris Williams for example was in the NFL when he came off of his, his hit, the year he went to the NFL. He didn't have crazy numbers, but he runs four three. So they say, hey, I can make it. I can make some of this kid. But yeah, that's it. Two ways to make it, JJ. In order to JJ to go, that that would be his way. Yeah, okay. I'm with you on that one. Um, by the way, uh, this week's edition of The Waggle is brought to you by CFL This Week Live every Wednesday, 3 Eastern, noon Pacific time. Davis, why should people check out CFL This Week Live? Because Brody and Max uh, are on the show at Twitter because we're live at the Twitter headquarters too. We're live at the Twitter headquarters. It's it's Max, it's Brody, and I even hop in there sometimes. But uh See if not sometimes. Every time I'm there, every week, I'll be there this Wednesday too. CFL this week, every Wednesday at Twitter. Hop on Twitter. Hop on the CFL's Twitter page. Talk all things CFL with a couple of my buddies, Max and Brody, and the rest of the crew. All right, time now for CFL Pick'em. And uh, all you got to do is go to CFL.ca and you can play. It's free to play and you can win a chance for, for two tickets to the Grey Cup coming up in less than two months' time in our nation's capital. First up on Friday, we've got Saskatchewan at the red hot, the scorching hot, the white hot, dare I say, Hamilton Ticats. Uh, Sasky finally gets calmed down. We're not quite sure who's going to be a quarterback for the Riders at this point. So, Davis, I haven't said this much this year, but I'm going to take the Tabbies to make it three in a row. Sasky's defense is too strong. Hamilton won't be able to move the ball, I don't think, even though that home, I think it'll be a decently close game, but I got Sasky. All right, okay. Let's go to Saturday. we got a doubleheader on Saturday. First things first, it's Edmonton in Toronto to take on the Argos. Love seeing Darrell Walker back in the Canadian Football League. I know he is an NFL hopeful, but uh, pretty quick to jump right back to the Eskies, and I think that's going to be to Mike Riley's benefit. They lost a heartbreaker to Calgary last weekend. Uh, I think Edmonton's still good enough to get this done on the road. Edmonton inspired. They got Darrell back. They had they lost a tough one, but they're uh, they're feeling good about their their complete unit. I got the Eskies. Okay, we go to the second leg of that doubleheader, and it's the BC Lions uh, taking on the Calgary Stampeders. Jonathan Jennings back in control. Jonathan Jennings is coming off his best performance of the season, and I wonder if there's a mental mindset where he knows he doesn't have someone he has to look over his shoulder with Travis Lule sidelined now. 
Um, I, I, you know what? He was, he didn't throw a pick last week. He completed 75% of his passes, but you know what? Calgary, nobody's stopping them right now. I mean, Edmonton played a great game and they still came up short at home. Uh, the stamps are who we thought they were and maybe even better than advertised. I'll take Calgary. I have the Calgary Stampeders as well at home. They haven't lost since 1976. I got the Stampeders. <laughs> uh, that brings us to a Sunday matchup, and I know you love your CFL Sunday games, especially during NFL season. Randy Ambrosi, um, listen up. Listen up, please, Dr. Ambrosi. Next year, we're going to sit down. We're going to have a conversation, the two of us. We're going to a bottle of wine or something of that nature with the, maybe the Board of Governors. I'll have you all over to my place here in, in Toronto, and we're going to find a way to get rid of these Sunday games. I don't like them. There's too much football going on on Sundays. We're all partners in this lovely game of football. Everyone loves football. CFL, NFL, we all watch all of it. So why put it all on the same day? Get rid of it. Thursday games, Friday games, Saturday games. No one here watches U.S. college football, barely. We got the whole stage to ourselves. Sunday games. All right, maybe not, but that's my opinion. Uh, Chez, I'm with you on this one. I know it's something that's near and dear to your heart, and there's there's a, there's a lot of sense that it makes uh, with Every respect to that. Every CFL so. fan that I know is also an NFL fan too. So why make them choose? It's like it's like a peanut mm-hmm. butter and jelly. If we if I pull some toast out in the morning, why throw jelly and peanut butter out there and make me choose one? <laughs> Let me have them both. Fair enough. Okay, uh, so that Sunday matchup, you've got Ottawa in Montreal to take on the Owls. Uh, to me, you've got Drew Tate uh, stepping in at quarterback for Ottawa. And to me, for from a Montreal standpoint, this is a desperate team. I think Montreal really needs this to try to get themselves back into the mix in the East. Uh, I'm going to take the Alouettes to come up with a, a big win. that they, This franchise needs it, and I think they're going to find a way to get it done this weekend. Yeah, you were, you got your finger on the pulse, my man. Montreal will will win this game. I, I feel the same as you. It's a big big game for them. A lot lot going on. A lot of jobs on the line. A lot of uh, pressure building uh, in that locker room. And uh, I I believe the Els will go out and play an inspired game of football and uh, get a dub. That's Davis Sanchez. My name is James Sabolski. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, you can subscribe. In iTunes, it's free to subscribe, and a fresh new episode of The Waggle goes your way to your smartphone, tablet, device, whatever you use each and every week. Talk to you soon. Solomon Elamimian from the BC Lions joins us now. All right. One of the most feared defensive players in the Canadian Football League, Solomon Elamimian. It's funny how, like, you know, you seem so menacing but you seem so relaxed when I talk to you here. It's like, is this guy sleeping? Where does like where does the switch go? Um, just you know, that's how I've always been. You know, off the field, I'm just chill, relaxed, um, mild mannered. Um, but you know, on the field, it's just you know, it's win or lose, and I love to win. So you got to be able to compete, and that just comes from you know my upbringing. Didn't have much growing up, and everything that um, you want, you kind of got to take. So when you get opportunity, you want to take advantage of it, and certainly football gives you the, uh, a stage where. You can, um, you know, fulfill your your dreams and and, and compete at the highest level. Now you talked about mild manner, so this is like a Clark Kent Superman thing. So what 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 flips the switch for you? Is there music? Is it just a game day? Do you get quiet? Do you get loud? What where does it come? You know, when the chin strap uh, straps up, when the chin strap straps up, it's kind of like. You know, Batman and, you know, his suit, you know, it's kind of like, you know. I love that you went Batman instead of <laughs> Superman, by the way. Total yeah. respect on it. I like Batman. Batman's my guy. So, 
that's just what it is. You know, when um, chin straps strap up, it's it's business. And, you know, it's violence. And football is a very violent sport. Everybody understands that. And you got to be willing to uh, sacrifice whatever it takes to get the job done. And that's kind of like the mindset. This is always kind of an interesting time of the season. And, you know, you got guys coming back from NFL cuts. And then you got some guys who make rosters. And so it's always a bit of an unsettling time. Then you get the guaranteed contract portion that uh, like a lot of veterans kind of, uh, all right. But, but from... Adam Big Hill was a partner in crime, uh, and, and he stuck with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, what are your thoughts with that? I'm very happy for him. Um, you know, I think initially, like everybody, I was surprised, too, the fact that, you know, he didn't make the active roster considering the kind of camp he had. He had a phenomenal um, camp, um, many tackles. He had interceptions and sacks, so he did a lot of good things. But, you know, when I step back and look at it, um, the NFL has a different, you know, kind of politics that go along with it. You know, um, okay. the best players don't necessarily make the team. It's... It comes down to you know which guys was drafted, which guys that got a sizable um, signing bonus. Um, so then you understand it. But you know what? Like I told him. But that's hard to understand. I bet as a young guy, right? Yes, it's hard to understand as a young guy because you know if you, it's like a you know job. You know you're going for a job. You know if you do the best, you're supposed to get a job. But you know when there's money involved, and obviously NFL is a billion dollar um, business. You know a lot of times money trumps things like that. But like I told Adam, it's not where you start, it's how you finish, and you know, you still have opportunity. and All your goals and dreams are still ahead of you. All you got to do is work a little bit harder. That, but that's one of those things where, I mean, at his stage, I mean, this is his opportunity, right? This right. is his time to shine. Mm -hmm. So you guys had a chance to talk a little bit? Yeah, we've been talking, you know, consistently. Like I said, you know, past football, Adam's one of my, uh, you know, better friends, closer, uh, closer friends. So, you know, we talk about life. And, you know, obviously when he, you know, he kind of vented a little bit. Understandably, he was, he was you know, disappointed. He had 40 tackles <laughs> in preseason. Like, it's yeah. not like he laid himself out there. He did, a, like I said, he did a phenomenal job. And, you know, I think somebody tweeted, there's there was nothing else he could have done, you know, to um, merit, you know, the, you know, he did it pretty much everything. You know, he, he sacks, tackles, interceptions. He showed he could compete at a high level. So I understood, um, you know, his frustration. But like we talked about earlier, it's a business. And um, like I told him, it's not where he starts, how you finish. And, you know, your route with the BC Lions wasn't, wasn't nothing easy. When you first came, you was a backup, practice roster guy. But you slowly built up and you built a name for yourself. Um, you know, pass football. So that's the same, you know, situation you find yourself in New Orleans. So what do you say to young guys that are now, that are, you know, because I'm sure it, it comes up. Guys, who, you know, you yeah. still have guys who have their eyes on the prize and wanting to play in the league. And right. Davis and I have talked about this in the past where, you know, you look for your window. And I mean, mm -hmm. what do you say to those guys? Because, you know, they, they feel like they're going to get a real shot, but right. they don't probably recognize the politics that play, like you were just talking yeah. about. Well, that's actually a good way for them to think about it because you have to kind of go in there thinking that, you know what, you will make the team, kind of going there thinking blind. Because you go in there thinking like, okay, understanding um, the intricacies of it, understanding the politics of it, it might hinder you in going all out. You know, you might see things being unfair, and that might, you know, demoralize you a little bit from actually playing to the best you can. Now, we go in there blind, or as a rookie, feeling like you're going to make this team and not understand the politics of it, that's probably the best way to look at it. What's this time like for, uh, as a veteran player right now where, you know, you guys go through a stretch where you're scuffling yeah. a little bit. Now the NFL cuts are coming around. Right. So it's like, do guys get nervous? Uh, um, like, what's that mind? You know, everybody gets nervous. When you're not winning, um, you know, bad things happen, you know, from 
you know, defining other players to get the job done. And that's just how it is. It's a business and it's all about winning, right? But one thing you can control is your performance on the football field. One thing you can control is helping your team win games. So as long as you focus on that in terms of how can I help the team get better and what can I do personally to improve this team. And while I look at it, yes, we're 5-5, five and five, but can we still make the playoffs? Yes. Can we still make the Great Cup and win the Great Cup? Yes. So we still have all our goals in front of us, and that's the good thing about it. And do you still like me? Sometimes. Oh, man, I was hoping for another yes on that yeah, one. Course, hey, tell me this. I mean, you're, you're probably one of the more thoughtful guys I've connected with here in the Canadian Football League over the last few years. But, you know, you come from such a humble upbringing. Yeah. And to see, you know, the highs and the lows, to see life in Canada, to see life right. in South Central. Uh, speak to me about what we're seeing right now in the National Football League where, yeah. you, know, the, you know, protesting social justice and... You know, the Colin Kaepernick thing was one one issue, but now we're seeing Michael Bennett, right. and we're seeing players of the Cleveland Browns. It's, it's not just one guy anymore. It's multiple things. Like, right. What do you see, and, and why do you think everybody's doing it? Well, I think it's a reality that not everybody maybe faces, but a lot of people experience. Um, obviously, being a person of color, you've experienced those things. I've experienced those things, certainly. Um, growing up in Crenshaw, South Central L.A. You've been there. You've experienced <clears throat> that. Definitely. I've definitely experienced, you know, being pulled over for – no apparent reason, and then everything apparently checks fine and have a good day. Not being told why I got pulled over, but, you know, that's the reality of, you know, of America, you know, and um, it's sad, but, you know, people that are influential are speaking up about the injustices, and, you know, what they say, injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere, and I really didn't pretty much um, understand how the world worked or just certainly how America was until I went to Hawaii. When I went to Hawaii and you know, it's a little different. It's different than living in inner city or living in some parts of America. And then certainly coming to uh, Canada, man, it's Canada is one of the best places um, <clears throat> in the world where I don't feel as if my skin color plays um, a part of, you know, certain things that I, I went through um, day to day in, in, in America, in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, glad that these players who have platforms are speaking up because it's an important issue. And just because it doesn't affect... Um, affect you per se or what they say until it affects you you really don't care about things like that but you know it's, a, it's an issue that's important and um, I'm glad that we have somebody who's thoughtful to kind of um, you know relate to people who necessarily don't experience you know um, you know racism or those kind of things to articulate his thoughts on, on it in a way where people can understand because all about having a conversation you know, want to start a conversation to, to make people aware that there are things that are going on in these certain communities or in America that we as Americans or we as people, human beings, can do a better job of uh, changing, you know, changing that. So it, it's a positive thing in my mind. How do we have these conversations then, I guess, with, you know, everybody say, hey, you know what, it's, yeah, okay, let's have these conversations. Right. Let's have these conversations. But then people want to speak up and, you know, if somebody wants to explain a reason on the counterpoint, all of a sudden people don't want to be labeled with an ism or an is. <laughs> like, know. oh, hey, hey, that's racist bigot what you just said. Yeah. That's you're a bigot, you know. And and, right. and all of a sudden, so it's that fear of speaking out or, or saying anything. But you know, I think in the reality for law enforcement, I think profiling, <laughs> whether people want to like it or not or admit it or not, it exists, right? And it, you know, it's a, it definitely exists. Obviously, we have you know cell phone nowadays. Um, where you see, you know, certain altercations with the police or, and citizens as, you know, um, you know, just wrong, you know, and, you know, you can't paint um, people with a certain brush. You can't paint 
black and brown or minorities with, with a certain brush. And you sure can't, you know, paint law enforcement with a certain brush because I know a lot of good law enforcement people um, that care about the communities and care about people. Um, but unfortunately, it's people in authority. <coughs> I find like it's like a bad teacher, right? Right. Like there's a lot of great teachers out there, That's but it. a bad teacher spoils it for everybody, right? Right. It's and like a bad cop. Like right. I, I got family members that are cops, right. and there's some really good police officers out right. there, but a an abuse of power right and that, that it screws it up for everybody no you're right and that's something that you know people have to um, make known and that's something that people have to communicate and talk about you know and if i'm a police officer i don't want a bad cop on my force because it it, it brings it's, it's negative for not just the force but it's negative for the community it's negative for everybody so that's somewhere all people have to you know talk about and really communicate these things that are our issue and you know there's a lot of people that don't have voices like the Michael Bennett's don't have you know voices like Colin Kaepernick and certainly when you are in a position to speak out about whatever you know just and just there are, there, there are I think you have a responsibility you know not to yourself but also to your community to you know speak out and, and make your opinion you know known uh, opinion that is shared by many of people you know I, I think when I think of you know, growing up at 16, and obviously I grew up in a relatively white middle-class neighborhood in the east mm -hmm. end of Ottawa. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for me and so many of my friends, we were influenced by hip-hop right. from the West Coast, NWA, and right. Ice Cube, and the list right. goes on and on. And, you know, the movie's like Boys in the Hood. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so much of that was kind of real life, or at least by the Singleton brothers who did that, who directed right. that movie. Right. And so you grew up and lived yeah. and breathed it. I mean, it's 2017. Does <laughs> the Boys in the Hood culture still exist as much as it did 25, 30 years ago? I think that's why Boys in the Hood was so iconic. Because it opened people's eyes. It opened people's eyes, or, you know, the NWA movie was so iconic because people actually lived it, and some people are living it now in terms of, you know, being racially profiled, you know, being discriminated, regardless of your, you know, ethnicity, um, orientation. These things still affect people, and as long as it affects people, it's, it, you know, it's, it's very important. So I think, um, like I said, everybody has a responsibility to at least hear, you know, hear other people's viewpoints, you know. Like you said, you grew up in a different, you know, community, um, different interactions, but you're open-minded and you're you're engaging in this conversation. That's the one thing that, you know, you can do is engage in conversation and see how can we make it better for everybody. Diversity is strength, right? And that's what the CFL represents: diversity, strength with the shirts, and you know that's a, that's a model that um, I feel you notice is very a difference positive. here. You like, when you're <coughs> living here in Canada, I mean, you, no, you I feel it, right? I definitely do. I definitely notice a difference. And you know, to talk to some guys that grew up in the states, they notice a difference too. You know, it's you don't really see it until you kind of come out of it. You know, to kind of step out of it and see, hey, you know, things are different. You know, when I get stopped, it's the first thing, you know, there's actually a valid reason, you know, for me to get stopped as opposed to. So you deserved it. Yeah. You know what? Hey, here's why I stopped you. Yeah. Not just, hey, let me see, you know, you, you know, your papers and officer, why you stopped me? I'm not, you know, answering that question or, you know, just, you know, everybody understands where, it's, you know, funny things are going on. But like I said, not all police officers, you know, are bad. There are a lot of good ones. A majority of them are good. But like you said, you know, it's the small, um, small ones that make it bad for everybody. Sully, nice to talk to you again, man. No, I appreciate it. And no, thanks th for having and me. And I will accept the the, the sometimes sort of. <laughs> so that's what I can get. Oh, I'm joking. You know, always we have a, always have a great uh, conversation. You're a great guy. So no, thanks for having me again. You're the best. I owe you ten bucks for saying that. I appreciate. It. I'll thanks, take I'll Sully. take twenty. You're the best.